I know when you ask me about these injuries, and, and, and I give you my thoughts, if you really want to figure it out, I think Danny O'Neill has the best uh, translations for me. Thanks, Pete. I sure do appreciate that. I am the aforementioned Danny O'Neill. This is the Dang Apostrophe. It is a newsletter. It is a podcast. It is an experience. Why is it called the Dang Apostrophe? Because that piece of punctuation I keep hanging around, hanging around. Kids got alligator blood. Can't get rid of him. I'm not going anywhere. Not for as long as I can help it. I appreciate you hanging around with me and would actually ask that you rate and review the podcast. It will help spread the word and influence those little algorithms. This week in Seattle sports starts with the news that Julio Rodriguez is going to be on the big league roster. This is enormously exciting for a number of reasons. Also a cause for pause. I'll get into that in just a second. But first, Scott Service, who is a manager I enjoy a great deal. Someone who I think has been very thoughtful about how he wanted to transition from being a player who was very hard-nosed and not the most pleasant teammate in the clubhouse from some guys that played with him would explain like he was very intense guy to being a manager that is he's willing to try some things and he I I think he kind of tried a bit I I think I think as he's telling Julio Rodriguez and there's a camera running in this room he he tried to he tried to play a little bit of a joke like he tried a presentation to tell his young outfielder exactly the to deliver the news that he was going to be on the big league roster. Here is uh, Scott Service. If you had to play center field in a big stadium with an extra deck on it, you think you can handle that? Yeah, come on. I think it's time. Yeah, I think it's time. Bring on the J. Rod show. Okay. You go for that? Yes. Come here. Congratulations. <laughs> you are a big leader, my man. That's all right. Well, well, you, uh, you sit down. I'm not done talking to you. It's adorable. If that's a word that can be applied to a young 20 something outfielder that we hope turns the entire American League on its ear. But as, as Service says it, says, how would you like to do that? And you see him kind of clench his fists to realize that this is the moment he's being told that he made the big league roster. It's a pretty awesome moment to capture. I I don't think many of us have an opportunity to have a dream realized in that way. And it's one of the things that I probably appreciate more about baseball than any other sport. They do a good job of acknowledging that, that there is a threshold and it means something to make a major league debut. There's never been any doubt that Julio Rodriguez is going to be a major leaguer. For three years, that's been pretty clear. The, the only question was when. Still, to see that realization and that that moment in someone's life is a pretty cool experience. And I want to give a shout out because Scott was committed to the bit. Like, he was fully committed. Like, seems like you're comfortable in center field. Would you like to play center field in perhaps a bigger stadium? I don't know, with another deck. Do you think that's something you could handle? He was like, yeah, man, come on. <laughs> He's like, okay, it's time for the J-Rod show. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a shout out to the skipper. I'm excited to watch Julio Rodriguez play. I am also a little bit leery. What's the expression? Uh, once bitten, twice shy. I think it's more like four times bitten. <laughs> uh, uh, five times shy at this point when it comes to Mariners prospects. 
I remember Dustin Ackley when he got here, and oh man, we've been waiting for this to happen. I remember Mike Zanino when he got to the big leagues, and oh man, we've been waiting for this to happen. And I remember Jared Kelnick when he got to the big leagues, and it was this, oh man, we've been waiting. It's been a bit since we've had a phenom reach the major leagues and kind of arrive with a splash and not and not belly flop. It's been it's probably been Felix Hernandez, two thousand five. It's probably it's probably been that long since we've had someone and and maybe I'm misremembering because maybe it's what happened with Ackley later in his career as opposed to the impact he made when he first got up there. Like that that might I I, I might I might be failing to remember how good it seemed at first and maybe maybe it's the recent Kelnick experience that that hangs over me and i bring this up not to say like oh i don't know how it's going to work out cuz look i'm i'm excited to see it i think it's the right decision i don't think there's there there's not a downside here like there's not a oh man i i'd rather anticipate it it's the way baseball works and the emphasis on prospects now and really maybe the way all of sports works and the emphasis on development and prodigies and oh wait till you see this guy where the anticipation so frequently outweighs the actual the actual event that it's not that you become jaded it's just that you set yourself up for disappointment that the anticipation of an idea is better than the actual experience of it which is something frequently that happens and by the way like writing that is the 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 definition of the writing experience you get an idea and it is the greatest idea you've ever had it is fantastic this is the subject that is going to allow you to showcase your writing skill it's going to connect with the audience this is going to be that life-changing project that makes everybody realize the 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 writerly ability that you have and man you've never come up with an idea this good and it stays that way for as long as it's in your head and the moment you try to start putting it on paper or typing it well then it suddenly the idea becomes well at first you're just like I can't express the idea I can't get it and then eventually you grow to hate the idea like this was the dumbest idea I've ever had I I hate writing this like there is a there is a loathing that develops and I've realized it's part of the creative process that you start with this idea and then you go through this long process that is excruciating and full of self-loathing and doubt. And then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I, I can't even think about this anymore. It doesn't matter how much it stinks. I need to get it done so it's off my plate. And then you start working on it and then it kind of comes up. And by the time you get to the end of it, it's never as good as you thought it was going to be. Like it's never that oh, thing that you produce. But you're like, well, that's okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's better than I thought it was going to be three days ago when I wanted to to forswear writing for the rest of my life. And I don't think that's going to be the way it is with Julio. I hope that's not going to be the way it is with Julio. But just remember, it's a process. And there can be some valleys. And when we're in Seattle with the Mariners, there can be valleys that last two decades. Yeah. Hopefully we come out of it this year. The other piece of news, and it's not really news this week, is DK Metcalf. Everybody's talking about DK Metcalf. At least all of the people that we trust to broker our off-season news. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, here's what he had to say. This starts with DK Metcalf right now. He is a name that's been buzzing in league circles in a big way. I've talked to some executives who think that maybe he would welcome a change, or maybe Seattle might be willing to move him at the right price. <gasps> So what does that mean? 
I wrote about this earlier in the week, the earlier in the week in my newsletter, which is the dang apostrophe. You can subscribe for free. There are some paid elements too, because uh, God bless me, I'm trying to make this a little bit of a leg of my my freelance writing business. But the the criteria that I set up, it's essentially how do you take how do you know when to take one of these reports seriously? And I put forth two criteria. The first is there has to be a single identifiable source of the information that's being relayed that that you believe is an actual physical person walking the earth, right? Like it's not, it's not what I'm hearing. The buzz in league circles, executives are saying like a single identifiable person who told this reporter that yes, this player is available, or I believe this player is going to become available because when you get like a group of sources and they become what people are saying, it very much starts to resemble like, grade school gossiping. Did you hear what happened with who? Who? Who told you that? It's what people are saying. So uh, listen listen to this again. That's my first criteria. There has to be a single identifiable source that you are reasonably certain is an actual person walking the earth. This starts with DK Metcalf right now. He is a name that's been buzzing in league circles in a big way. I've talked to some executives who think that maybe he would welcome a change or maybe Seattle might be willing to move him at the right price. No single identifiable source. The second part, the second criteria, because look, sometimes it isn't. You don't, you don't have one person that's saying this. The reporter has to risk something. The reporter has to say, and it's not, it's not a bet. Or, they have to make a prediction. They have to say, I think this is going to happen. They have to expose themselves a little bit. Not saying, I heard something, because basically, like, what does that mean? Like, yeah, you can hear lots of things. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's reflective of an actual dialogue that's going on involving one of the teams or anything else. Like, you have to say, like, from what I'm hearing, I think DK Metcalf's going to be traded. Like, that's, if you're wrong, you're like, hey, why did you think that? You thought he was going to be traded. I'm like, yeah, man, I messed that up. Like, the reporter has to risk something. So those are my two criteria. Either there has to be a specific source, doesn't have to be named, like the reality is, is in today's offseason news, a lot of the stuff isn't named. You don't have to, but it has to be coming from a person. <laughs> like it can't be, it can't be the name buzzing, what lots of people are talking about. Or the reporter has to be making a prediction. Let's hear the rest of Fowler's report on DK Metcalf. On the same token, the team has made publicly clear that they want to re-sign him. And I'm told Metcalf has got some indications behind the scenes that they want to keep him in their long-term plans. So something has to give, but it is all about the contract. He's a year away from free agency, would be big money. Okay, there's no prediction there. In fact, the the most tangible information you have is that the the Seahawks have said publicly they're not going to trade him, and DK Metcalf has been given some sort of uh, like informal assurance, whatever that was. Is that an emoji text? Is that Pete saying, "Hey man, going to see you at VMAC in August to know that he's going to be around"? Is there an issue with DK Metcalf? Yeah, and Fowler spells it out at the end. He's in line for a contract extension. And he plays a position in wide receiver where the, the, the price of the brick just went up. Like Tyreek Hill has just got a three-year, $120 million contract. DK Metcalf is going to go in there and say, I'm bigger than him. I'm, I'm just as fast. I'm as big a be- big play threat in the, in, the, in the league as Tyreek Hill. And I want to be paid in that area code. And we'll, we'll see where it develops from there. Seattle wants to extend him. Seattle has a very strong track record of extending players who are entering the final year of their rookie contract. It goes back to Cam Chancellor. It goes back to Max Unger. Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, 
Richard Sherman, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner. Generally, when they want to extend a player, Tyler Lockett, you throw into it. Generally, when they want to do it, they get the deal done. The the one exception I can... Frank Clark, 2018, the two sides did negotiate for a contract extension. Like that was, and Seattle was close and it got a little, and Seattle didn't end up going to the level that they needed to get Clark to agree to the extension. That's, that's one of the only examples that I can think of where like, hey, that was a guy Seattle really wanted to extend and they didn't get the contract done. So usually they get it done. The second part is if they don't get it done, there's two options. One is you deal the player which is kind of what Fowler's, hey, is he going to become available? Seattle decides, hey, his price is too high. And instead of waiting a year to figure this out, we're going to trade him now. We're going to trade him now in the lead up to the draft. We'll get picks right away and somebody else will pay the freight on his contract. It's too rich for our blood. The other option is, okay, we couldn't get done to an extension. He's, he's going to play out the final year of his rookie deal, which is something that Seattle has typically done. I can't think of one example under Pete Carroll and John Schneider where they've traded a guy entering the final year of his rookie contract. Whereas guys they've kept to play the final year of their rookie contract who eventually ended up elsewhere, Golden Tate, Frank Clark we just talked about. Remember the 2018 they talked about an extension? Didn't end up getting the extension done. He plays 2019. Uh, that offseason, he gets, he, gets he gets traded to Kansas City. Actually, it was the 2018 season he played out. 2019 is when he's traded. That's April 2019. He gets traded. He was going to be an unrestricted free agent. He was franchise tagged. Bruce Irvin's also in that group. So of all the three, the three scenarios, sign him to an extension. Don't sign him to an extension and trade him. Don't sign him to an extension and have him play out the final year of his contract. I would say the most likely scenario is they sign him to an extension. The least likely scenario is that they trade him right now. I don't think he'll be traded. So I guess I'm meeting my own little criteria there of, of taking a risk. He's not the only one uh, who's talking about, uh, not the only one, Jeremy Fowler, talking about DK Metcalf. Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports, who is someone I know, I like Charles a great deal. He also had something, I think the uh, You Pod to Win the Game is the name of the podcast. Uh, he was on with, I think it's Eric Edholm. And he was also talking about DK Metcalf. A lot of teams convinced that DK Metcalf isn't going to be uh, a Seattle yeah. Seahawks when the season starts next year. Like uh, a lot of teams asking, like, are they open to dealing him? What's the deal? What are you know? Are they actively shopping him? Is he a pocket listing? Do we have to call to find yeah. out? You know, like, is there? Are they already talking to teams about him? Okay, let's go back to our criteria. Do we have a single identifiable source? Do we have a single identifiable source? Let's listen to that again. A lot of teams convinced that DK Metcalf isn't going to be uh, a Seattle yeah. Seahawks when the season starts next year. A lot of teams convinced. So people are talking about it. I don't know if we draw anything from that. Charles continues. It's definitely remarkable the number of, of uh, teams that are certain that DK Metcalf is not going to be there. And I, it was funny because I, I, I was talking to one exec and you know he's just like, how are you going to pay him? He's like, you don't have a quarterback. You don't have a Super Bowl window. He was like, teams don't want to pay elite level salaries in Super Bowl windows. It's part of the reason why, you know, people were asking questions about Laramie Tunsil last year. Ooh, I do like talking about Laramie Tunsil for one reason.
Oh my god, I hate this. This is stupid. You know what that is? That's the sound of a gas mask bong. That's right. He's gas mask bong guy. I say that to kid. I think it was uh, something that was just funny. Like it, when it, seeing a picture of Jeremy Laramie Tunsil with a gas mask bong was one of the funniest things that I can remember seeing. And whoever decided to pass on him because of that picture in the draft, Baltimore Ravens, y- you blew it. Absolutely blew it because he's turned into be a stud player. But why is Laramie Tunsil brought up here? And the point, there is a question. If you don't, if you're not in your Super Bowl window, why would you pay DK Metcalf a top tier salary? But the question about that doesn't have anything to do with the money that you're paying him. In the NFL, you've got to spend money. There's a salary floor. And if you're not playing, if you're not paying a contract, as Seattle's not paying a quarterback this year, I, I don't think the money is that. The bigger issue is are you better off getting draft picks for him than you would be having him play for you? That you're, the prime of his career is going to be in this window where you're searching around for a quarterback. Would you rather have two first-round picks? One pick at the end of the first round this year to a team like Green Bay, to a team, other teams that are looking around for wide receivers. Kansas City is probably. Would you rather have their late first-round pick and their first-round pick next year for DK Metcalf instead of paying him? If you're looking at Seattle and saying you're, maybe that is a good move. I, I would not do that. I would not do that for two reasons. A, there's nothing else that Seattle has done this offseason that tells me they're rebuilding. Like Even the trade of Russell Wilson, like that's more about Russell not wanting to be here. If you're a rebuilding team, you don't re-sign Quandre Diggs. Like you just don't. You don't re-sign Will Disley like they did. They, they're not looking like a rebuilding team. Dealing DK Metcalf for what might be two late, late first-round picks is not what you do Unless you're a rebuilding team who's saying we're absolutely punting on next year. And there's no indication Seattle's doing that. But that idea that, okay, if they don't want to pay him. I don't think the salary is the issue. I don't think the salary is the issue at all. In fact, not having the quarterback might make it easier to stomach paying your receiver that much money. That's the price of freight. It's possible they don't think wide receivers are worth that. It's possible that Seattle looks at the price for DK Metcalf and says, nope, too much for that position. We love the player. The position is too expensive. That's what happened with Frank Clark. They liked Frank Clark as a player. They thought they were going to get him signed to a contract. And then Demarcus Lawrence did a deal that was $20 million a year. And Seattle's like, we don't believe defensive ends. That defense, a guy who's a rotational pass rusher for you, even if he's starting and playing the majority of the snaps, we're not going to $20 million at that position. That, that, that position, nope. And you look at their history, they have tended to try and get guys who are not quite at that top tier of defensive end salary. They've taken the belief that you can get it done with a larger group without having one guy attract the stop. Maybe they'll decide that with wide receiver. That has not been something that is, they didn't, they didn't blink at, at paying Percy Harvin that, that top tier salary. Now, that mistake, that contract was a mistake for a number of different reasons, but it wasn't because they were cheap about that position. They paid Tyler Lockett twice now. They brought Jermaine Curse back. They wanted to bring Golden Tate back. I, I, don't, I don't think that this is going to be an issue where Seattle thinks the position is too expensive. Maybe it will. I don't think he's going to get traded. I also don't think you should make too much of either of these reports because in each case, they're talking about a multitude of sources. People are saying. And in neither case is the reporter telling you what they think is going to happen. There's, there's no definable certain. This person is telling me that this is going to happen. And they're not saying it's going to happen. 
This is the dang apostrophe. I am Danny O'Neill. Should we let Marshawn Lynch have the last word? Then Marshawn Lynch, shut up, Danny. I don't know if we can go out like that. When you ask me about these injuries and, and, and I give you my thoughts, if you really want to figure it out, I think Danny O'Neill has the best uh, translations for me. Here. 